We've covered some odd jobs on here before, but this takes the cake, I think. Audience survey. Put your hand up if you would willingly crawl into a ditch on the side of the road at night and wrestle a snake three times your size. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie, and my hand did not go up for that. My guest today is Amy Siwi. Amy actually quit being a real estate agent several years back to pursue being a python huntress in Florida. She is one of only a hundred in the United States to have that job title, and I can't imagine there are many anywhere else on the planet. Let's go ahead and let Amy wrestle the big snakes. Welcome to the show, Amy Siwi. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being on the show. Why don't you introduce yourself a little bit for the audience? Absolutely. I am Amy, the Python Huntress. I am a professional Python hunter. So I have been hired by the state of Florida to capture and euthanize the invasive pythons that are destroying Florida's ecosystem. Yes. And when we started talking about this, I was like, what is a python huntress? What is this job that you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the the pythons in Florida are not supposed to be here. They are invasive and they are here because of the pet trade that started back in the 70s. But what ended up happening was uh, Hur- Hurricane Andrew came through in 1992 and destroyed a breeding facility and sent hundreds and hundreds of Burmese pythons into the Everglades. And so that was kind of the epicenter of this whole thing. And so from there, we have the perfect climate, just like they do in Southeast Asia. And they just began to to thrive and breed and expand. So now there's between 100,000 and 300,000 of them in the Everglades, which is insane. Yikes. Uh, you said like, you know, because of Hurricane Andrew, they got into the environment. And for some reason, the mental image in my head was akin to Sharknado, where it's just snakes in a hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, I, I wasn't here for that, but I feel like it could have been very similar to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so are there even pythons in the U.S. as a whole, like anywhere? No. No, they are not native to the, the big pythons, the big constrictors are not native to the United States. In the U.S., we've got some pretty big rattlesnakes and, um, you know, some rat snakes, but, you know, nothing gets, these pythons get to be 20 feet long. They're gigantic and they eat everything. They, they eat everything from, you know, raccoons, possums, bobcats, deer. There was one that had a doe and two fawns in her at the same time. I mean, I can't even imagine that going down. That is terrible. So, yeah, it takes the phrase "I could eat a horse" to a whole new level. <laughs> it really does. Oh my gosh, it does. So, why, when we talk about them being, you know, out in the ecosystem, is that part of why we need to get rid of them? Is because they just eat everything? Yes, that is exactly why we need to get rid of them. They are the apex predator. They have nothing. Nothing hunts them except for now us. But so that it's it's out of control. In Southeast Asia, they have cobras there, and cobras their their diet is other snakes and mainly the pythons because 
cobras can get to be 16 feet long. And so the pythons, you know, are a perfect meal for them. So that's some, that's the population control over there. We don't have cobras here, thankfully, um, but there's nothing controlling the population. So yes. it's just us. It does not sound like a good control to just release cobras to go. Yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like that's not going to be a good idea, a good plan. It, it would probably work for the pythons, but it would be a disaster. <laughs> yeah. Well, and not like the Florida Everglades need anything more than, you know, gigantic alligators and pythons. Like, right. Let's, let's in, in addition, yeah, to the bears, the panthers, you know, all of that. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll keep those over in Southeast Asia. <laughs> I would say it sounds like you have chosen the most dangerous ecosystem to do a job in. <laughs> you know, it, it is interesting. Florida, uh, the, the Everglades are an amazing, an amazing place. I moved here three years ago from Indiana. I was actually a real estate broker and just dropped everything to move here to hunt the pythons, which we'll get into in a minute. But, you know, I got here and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to need, you know, this whole artillery of guns and everything just, you know, to protect myself from these crazy animals out here. And it really, it's not that big of a deal. Nothing really wants anything to do with you. The gators take off when you approach, um, you know, I've seen some bears, they take off. I've seen a couple of panthers, bobcats, but it's, it's really the animals aren't a super danger out there. Don't get me wrong. They can be dangerous and things can happen, but it's not nearly the danger that I thought it would be when I moved out here thankfully. Yeah. That would be my thought is like rolling in an armored vehicle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to have one anyway, but you know, you don't really need it. <laughs> sure, sure. So how many people do this job in general? And then we'll get into why you chose this. <laughs> so there are 100 people that are hired contractors by the state to hunt these pythons. Um, there's now 15 women, 15 of us are women. So there's there's just a handful of people that have been hired to do this. And, you know, there's over three and a half million acres that the pythons are in. And so people kind of say, well, why is there only a hundred of you? And the answer is because of accessibility. The majority of this three and a half million acres is inaccessible to humans. I mean, we just can't get there. So we have to, you know, hunt on the roads and the levees kind of waiting for the pythons to come to us in a sense, because if we just start walking out in the Everglades or taking a boat or whatever, we'll never find them. The chances of you could just coming across one in the swamp or the woods, slim to none. So, and there's just not that many roads and levees through the, you know, through the Everglades. Yeah. It's not like you evenly divide up that three and a half million. So like, oh, everybody gets 30,000 acres that you need to go patrol. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, that would make sense. It's just not feasible. Yeah. Well, and that would be a wild amount of I don't even know what an acre is relative to an amount of space, but like that would be a lot of space. If you said, like, it is a lot of space. And the thing is they're actually moving further North. So just to give you an idea, so everyone knows what like, you know, the tip of Florida looks like. So the pythons, um, they have established breeding um, population basically from North Naples over to like Fort Lauderdale and South. So there are pythons and, and they're starting to move further north. Um, so that, if that gives you an idea, that's a huge area that these pythons are, a huge area. Yeah, and a vague warning to like, watch out Venice, you're next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. They're coming for you. <laughs> right. um, so 
like you said, you were a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. What got you like one day you just woke up and just said, like, I'm going to go hunt giant snakes? <laughs> well, sort of, but no. I have always loved reptiles and amphibians since I was little. My dad took me to a creek and he taught me how to catch fish and crawdads and, you know, toads and everything. And for some reason, I just had this fascination with snakes. And it has been kind of, you know, this obsessive passion hobby ever since. And I'm like, you know, why couldn't it be kittens or puppies or something normal? You know, why is it snakes for the love of God? But it is. So they, snakes have always been a part of my world. I was a breeder. I was, um, you know, in the vet industry, exotic vet industry, exotic pet industry. I mean, all kinds of things. And, but it was always, that was in college and things. And it was always kind of more of a hobby. So you know, real estate broke, you know, I went to college, graduated, had real jobs, all of that. Been a real estate broker for the last 13 years. And then I heard about this problem in Florida that, you know, pythons are invasive. And I thought, wait a minute, what, why are pythons here? You know, we, I just had no idea as most people don't. And so I thought, you know, I need to go down and, and check this out, see what's going on with this. And so my fiance and I took a three-week vacation. This was in January of 2019 down to Florida just to see what it was all about. And I went on a hunt with one of my now very good friends, Donna Khalil, and we caught a python. And I was hooked. It was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, this is literally what I was put on this earth to do. This is it. And so people kind of asked me, you know, why if you love snakes so much, why do you want to kill them? And the answer is, of course, I don't want to kill them. But I thought, you know, because I know so much about them, because I'm not afraid of them, because I'm genuinely, I want to get this figured out. I, I, this can finally, my passion can make a difference instead of just being a hobby. I can actually help Florida with this colossal Python problem. And so that's, that's what I came to do. So less than two months later, after I, we got back from vacation, I just left everything in Indiana and moved down here and fi- to figure out how to become a python hunter. Wow. Yeah, that's very like lightning strikes and you find your purpose kind of a... It, it was. It, it was insane. And, and Dave, my fiance, he took a picture of me with that first python. And the, he said, the look on your face, he said, I, I knew we were moving. So like I knew that moment we were moving to Florida. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, I mean, I think that's great because so many people out there try and find something they're passionate about and they I think they usually try and find it in a pretty like mainstream approach. So I think it's good for people to hear like I did this extremely obscure thing and suddenly found my purpose. It, you know, and it is true. It's the thing is I was not looking for a job or, you know, I, I was a great real estate broker. I loved what I did. You know, I had a very successful business. I, it wasn't like, Oh, I'm kind of unhappy. I think I'm going to start looking around. It wasn't like that at all. It was just all of a sudden, you know, this, I won't even say the opportunity came up. I kind of you know chased it down a little bit to see what it was all about. And it just, everything made sense. Like in my heart, it made sense, but I'm telling you on paper, it was ridiculous. I mean, so I know nobody. Well, first of all, Dave didn't even move down with me at first because he had, you know, still a business up in Indiana. So I knew no one except for Donna, but I didn't, 
even though I know a lot about pythons, because, you know, we talked about this earlier, they're not from here. I've never had to go out and catch them in the wild. So I don't even know really where or, you know, where they are, or what to do. Um, I didn't even know if they were hiring because this was a generally relatively, I should say, new program, the Python um, program. And it was kind of experimental at the time. So they weren't hiring. And I didn't know if they ever would again. Um, you know, I didn't have any other type of job or other type of income. And I actually didn't have a place to live. So I, I rented a room from a guy in Miami from the internet, which it all worked out great. But I was four hours, four hours from his house when I was moving down there. And he calls me and he said, hey, um, by the way, the room that you were going to rent, the guy's not going to move out for six more months. I was like, dude, I am seriously four hours from your house with all my stuff. What am I supposed to do? And he said, well, I mean, I have a, a bedroom upstairs that you could rent. He said, but you'd have to share a bathroom with my dad. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. So it's kind of at that moment that. Everything was like the whole time since the moment I made the decision to leave until the time I left, you know, even though people thought I was crazy, you know, I was very, you know, I never questioned it. It's just like, this is what I was supposed to do. So then for this like fleeting moment, I was like, oh shit, what the hell am I doing? What am I doing? What, what? And then it went away and then I was fine, but it, it could have started out very weird. But to, to my point, what I was saying is that on paper, it looked ridiculous but in my heart is the thing that I, of everything in my whole life that I've done, it felt the most right. Yeah. And you're like, fine, I guess I'm sharing this bathroom with your dad, whatever. <laughs> I know. I mean, what was I going to do? I'm like, well, okay. And it turned out, I mean, it was great. I mean, he had five bathrooms anyway. So I got my own bathroom um, and they were great people. You know, I lived there, I think for like four or five months before I ended up buying a condo actually on the, the, the West coast. But it, so it was good. It was, I still look back on that with just like this leap. I mean, I literally just took a running jump off this cliff and was like, well, hopefully I'll land, you know, without breaking my face. And I landed in the swamp and it was perfect. Exactly what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. It sounds like it should be the, the stinger for like a Hollywood movie where it's like, <laughs> she took a running jump off this cliff and landed in python territory right exactly exactly <laughs> yeah and that seems like a whole other thing to get into like pythons are not they don't just like lay around like pool noodles right <laughs> generally speaking no they don't <laughs> so there has they to be some danger in like just running out and picking up a 17 foot snake <laughs> Yes, there, there's definitely some danger. Um, so the thing that is interesting to me, you know, these things, 98% of the mammals are gone in parts of the Everglades because of the pythons. I mean, that's a huge number. And when I moved here, I thought, I'm just going to be walking through the swamp and just hauling these things out left and right over my shoulder. It's going to be great. Well, that's not even sort of how it works. And for as many pythons that are out there, they are just the masters of disguise. This is the perfect habitat for them. And it is very, very difficult to find them. So we literally have to wait. They're nocturnal in the summer. So we, we jump in a truck. We've got our lights on and everything, our light packs. And 
you know, we are going five miles up and down these levees and roads looking for the pythons that are that are active, that are out moving about, that are hunting, whatever, that are crossing or that they're parallel or some of them are, you know, close up into the canal. So it's it's not an easy task of finding these things. And we don't find we don't find them every day. But no, they I mean, they, they aren't just laying around. They are on the move. And I guess to to your other point, the danger of this. Yeah. Jumping on a 17 foot python. <laughs> <laughs> that can that can be a little tricky sometimes because they are. I mean, that that python I caught, she was 17, three, 110 pounds. And people ask me all the time. So I'm just gonna tell you, I'm 5'4, 120 pounds. So she wasn't that much smaller than me. But that that was a fight. That that she could have easily eaten me that day. Well, yeah, and it's it's not even like I mean anything any snake over 100 pounds sounds terrifying but it's also like you know three times plus your height if you were to like lay down next to this thing it could literally go all the way to your head wrap back around your feet and then wrap back around your head (laughs) i know it's so big and here's the crazy thing about that so i was by myself when i caught her and she was um it was at like midnight and she was periscoping. So that means her, her head and body were like about three feet straight off the ground, which I'm not even sure why they periscope. It's, that's a whole nother thing. But anyway, so I could see her white belly and that's kind of the telltale. So I saw her, her white belly. So I pulled the truck over, I get my stuff and I jump out. She's 17 feet long. Of course, I don't know this at the time. And I know where she is. And she had, she ended up going down and it's still t- took me a good 30 seconds to find her. I mean, I know where she is and she's 17 feet, but they're so, I mean, she just like, she went down in the grass and the grass just covered her perfectly. So finally I saw through her pattern through the grass and then I followed it a couple feet to her head and I saw her head and I was like, Oh God, <laughs> what am I doing? Cause it was the biggest head I'd ever seen in my life. So, but yeah, that's, that was the crazy thing that they're so camouflaged. It's so hard to find them. Yeah. Well, and- are pythons like a constrictor? Do they like wrap around things to kill them? Yes, they are. They are not venomous. They do have a mouthful of razor sharp teeth, but they are constrictors. So they bite their prey, they wrap around it and suffocate it, and then they eat it. So that's where I'm like, yeah, you jumped in the, the ditch with this like gigantic snake that wants nothing more than to bite and wrap around you. And you're, yes. you're just like, okay, this thing's three times my size. It weighs as much as me. And I guess we're just going to jump on it. Yes. You know, and when you put it that way, it does sound a little insane. I will have to say, <laughs> but, but when I'm in the moment, I'm just like, I'm going to do this. So here's what I will tell you. We, when a Python or any constrictor uh, grabs its prey. So it bites and it wraps the first third of its body around first. So it doesn't wrap with the tail first. It wraps with the first third of the body. So we call that throwing an elbow basically. So it throws an elbow. So if we, so when we catch a Python, we jump on the back of it and we um, grab it behind the, the head behind its jaws. And we try to prevent that first coil, that, that elbow from coming over. So if we can control that, then we're in pretty good shape. And it kind of turns into like this battle of, of strength. And, you know, the Python will eventually wear out. Of course, we will wear out too. So you have to be in pretty good shape to do this. 
Um, so that's that's kind of the key here is trying to prevent that elbow from being thrown first. Yeah, and you say like, oh, we got to prevent the first third of its body. And it's like, <laughs> oh, so the first six feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. And it, so that, that one and that fight is on my YouTube channel. Um, it wasn't like this epic battle of, you know, that was this really exciting fight. It was more a battle of strength because what happened with this one is I jumped on it and it was trying to shimmy back. I couldn't see the rest of her body at all. She was trying to shimmy back into the swamp and I had to keep her from doing that obviously. But when they get into the water and they take off, forget about it. She's gone. So I'm literally locking my elbows out behind her neck. Um, and then I'm using my lower body strength, my legs, like I'm basically almost like squatting it like forward to keep her from going backwards. So I'm using my entire body to keep her from going backwards. And so she wasn't trying to wrap me. She was just trying to go backwards, which was very good for me. And so I was trying to get this bag over her head, which is kind of another story, but I, it, it was a head bag that I kind of designed to calm them down. So I was trying to get this head bag over, but I was trying to, you know, keep her head down. I mean, it was just, it was crazy how strong these things are. So I finally got the head bag over her. And as soon as I did, and I pulled like the drawstring, she just stopped. She just stopped. And so there I am, I'm sitting on top of this Python at like midnight side of the road. And I'm like, okay, now how am I going to get this thing out of here? So I was getting ready to try to pull her out. And then some of my other hunter friends went by. So I yelled out to him. I was like, hey, you guys. And they backed up. They're like, oh my God, what are you doing? I was like, I'm sitting on a python. Come help me. They're like, why? I'm like, you'll see. <laughs> and they were like, holy shit, that is huge. So they helped me pull her out of the ditch and get her in the truck and everything. But yeah, that was a crazy, crazy fight. You're like, quit asking questions. It's enormous. I know. <laughs> just, just get over here. <laughs> So I know the whole point is like, you know, you're supposed to be eradicating the species. Is there a reason you have to live capture them? That is a question I get a lot. So um, the thing about pythons is, and, and any reptile, they're not like mammals. So, you know, you get a lung shot with a, a, you know, a deer or something and it's, you know, it's done. It's, it takes reptiles a very long time to actually die if you don't do it right. And so you have to get the brain or the heart and the heart's really, really hard to find. So it's the brain and the brain's relatively small. And so you have to get it exactly in the brain. So when we're shooting it or I use a bolt gun or however, you know, you do it, you have to make sure the brain is obliterated and that will kill the Python. So when, when you are out there and you've got this Python, it's really difficult to get the right shot and safely and effectively, you know, to not just injure the snake. And then the thing is, even after they're, they're shot or have the bolt gun in their brain, I mean, they'll still go. I mean, they'll still take off. So it's just, it's a lot easier. I mean, you know, again, most of the pythons aren't 17 feet long, but it's a lot easier just to live capture them and then take them back to, well, to my condo and then bolt them later on yeah no it's just i was curious and i figured it was something you know kind of akin to when people say like oh running around like a chicken with its head cut off like they can still move and they do for like four hours 
okay. Yeah, because yes. I, I imagined like the other thing would just be, you know, some guy out there looking like Crocodile Dundee with a machete, just like <laughs> looking for snakes. I was like, yeah, you could do that, but then you like the body just leaves you behind. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there's, and we have to follow very specific rules as far as euthanizing because, you know, we do everything according to the American Veterinary Association as far as, um, you know, humane ways of euthanizing the python. So they definitely, you know, and, and that's good. You know, we need to be held to those standards because, you know, I have found in the past, I did find a python that had. Um, a 22 in its head and it was perfectly fine. Hmm. It, the person missed and, you know, it wasn't a hunter. Um, you know, the public is also, if they find a Python, they are allowed to kill it and they do, but they have to kill it on the spot. So, and there's all kinds of rules, which, you know, I can't even go into the, just the different areas. Sometimes you're not allowed to discharge a firearm in some areas, you know, there's different rules in different spots and it gets kind of confusing, but um, the public can can do that yeah i think that it kind of plays like in my area which i'm all the way across the u.s from you but my area you know we have like coyotes and they're like oh yeah if you see a coyote you can just kill a coyote like they they are you know this pest species that like right. you know we don't need them around for whatever but yeah like if you're not trained to do so if you're just some guy on the side of the road that's just like oh look i found a snake right like there's there's a lot that could go wrong and yeah again when you're talking like yeah this is this is for a grander purpose it's not just like because we like killing animals for sure like 100 percent killing killing these snakes and the majority of the, the people that are hired by the state do love snakes and that's part of why we're doing this because there's not a lot of people out there that you know like snakes and are not afraid of them and this isn't just like a you know a killing spree or something like that you know we really respect it and you know but we also know that you know we're saving all the native animals here including the other snakes because the pythons when they're born they are when they hatch out of the egg they're 24 inches long and that's the same size as a lot of our native species so they are competing for food you know at, right out of the egg yeah i mean we have we have small snakes up here in the northwest where i'm like i don't know a foot maybe maybe <laughs> two like if I've seen some bigger ones, so a two foot snake hatching out of an egg is a big snake. It is. It is. And, you know, I used to be a breeder and it's so funny because, you know, I would breed corn snakes and rat snakes. So like there are these little eggs, I don't know, that are, you know, half the size of a chicken egg, let's say. And then you have a python egg that's the size of a potato. And you're just like, yeah, God, it makes sense. And then this like you know, two foot snake comes out of it. It's just, it really is mind blowing how big these things are and how fast they grow. Holy cow. They grow so fast. Yeah. Um, so I guess the other thing, like after euthanizing these animals, you, are you kind of just allowed to do whatever you wish with the, the remains? Yes. Ish. So, um, a lot of time. I mean, it, it again depends on the area. Since they are invasive, they are doing a lot of studies to try to learn more about them. So, in some of the areas that we haven't caught a lot, we actually turn them into the biologists so they can, um, you know, possibly use them as a scout snake to implant a transmitter to follow it around, or you know, for different things. But for the most part, yes. So once we euthanize it, um, we check it in with the state to get paid, 
and then I am one of probably four or five people that actually do skin them and have it professionally tanned the skins and then make products out of it. So that is another reason that even if it did make sense to euthanize on the spot, I probably wouldn't because I have to have, in order to have these skins look as good as they do and be product grade, I have to be, they have to be fresh. I have to be very specific on, you know, on timeframes and everything. So it just, it would be too hard, especially with how hot it is in Florida to, you know, keep it preserved and everything if I did kill it on the spot. So. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely don't want to spoil in the heat. Yeah. And and it's really, I mean, at at night, you know, it's about 83 and, you know, like a hundred percent humidity. So yeah, it gets pretty, pretty toasty. Yeah, that'll do it. And obviously people that are are just listening can't see, but you have like quite a a few snake skin behind you. Yes, Um, I do. Are those all from your captures? Not all of them. So I also purchased the carcasses from other hunters because I have to have a minimum of 100 skins to take to my tanner. So it's just easier. I mean, I've caught, you know, probably over 350 at this point. Um, but you know, it takes a minute. We don't catch every night. So I do buy from the other contractors. And, um, so it's good. They can get rid of them and it's still going to wait or it's still, you know, being used. It's not going to waste. So, and I really like that because I love these snakes. And I guess I should also say that, you know, my mission has been to try to figure out how to use as much of the snake as possible. So they don't go to waste. And this is, you know, one of the things is to make leather products out of their skin. Yeah. And is there like a good emerging market for Python leather? Well, Python skin is definitely a fashion trend right now. Like 100%. There is a difference in these pythons and the Asian pythons that, you know, are basically raised on farms in Asia for their skin. So it's, and it's very hard to the naked eye to tell the difference in them. Of course, we know the differences in them. But, um, you know, so that's why I say, why buy that when you can, you know, these guys have to go, we have to get these invasives out of the Everglades. So by when people buy the products made from, from the um, skins, they are, you know, supporting us. They are, you know, helping the ecosystem in the Everglades. So there's a lot of good being done when people do purchase these. Yeah, no. And that's a good point because it's like, yeah, you could buy from this basically factory farm in another country, or you could support stuff going on right here in the U.S. that is having, like you said, a 98% impact on the species that are yep. down there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really, it's quite alarming, really. Yeah. So. Um, so, I mean, that's good with the skin that can be made into leather. Is python meat edible? Okay, yes. Yes, it's edible. I do not recommend eating it. <laughs> So I um, took a python to a chef in Fort Myers just to see, hey, can you, what can you do with this? And he made four very good dishes. I mean, they were good. Python is so chewy. I mean, so chewy, like to the point that I was bored and I spit it out because I'm like, I'm over this. So, and it's because, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I've eaten rattlesnake before and that's fine. Rattlesnakes are venomous, so they don't need the muscle that the constrictors need. So they're, 
their meat is a, is a lot more tender. I mean, the pythons are just one gigantic muscle, basically. So, and the other point of that too, is that apparently there are high mercury levels in some of these pythons. So it's probably not ever going to be legal to sell it for meat. Gotcha. Yeah. I'd wondered if it was like, because I had heard of people eating rattlesnake and you're right. Like they bite and swallow. They don't have to like wrap it up, strangle. Like they definitely don't use their body for that kind of a, a you know, right. Activity. Right. Um, the other thing is like, I mean, maybe you'd make like a jerky out of it, but if you're like already pretty chewy, you've now like dehydrated it and made it more <laughs> yeah. chewy. You're, it's like gum. It'll yeah. just be Python gum. <laughs> I will tell you this though, that, um, so the eggs, I tried scrambling an egg. It was disgusting. So I did this and that's on, on my channel also. I think I put it up there on Instagram or something, but, um, yeah, so I attempted now granted the snake that I had, it was, I caught it and she was 12 feet and I forget how many eggs she had in her, but she was about ready to lay these eggs. So it takes three months for, you know, from the time that they are fertilized to, um, for the female to lay the eggs. And then she lays on them for two months after that. So when she's ready, to, when she lays them, you know, they're still not like, you know, there's not little babies in them yet, but when I did and they're leather, they're leather, um, shells, they're not hard shells. So when I kind of tore it open and I'm pouring it into my, you know, butter in my pan, you know, it's all like this meringue yellow stuff. And then there's a little bit of red in there. It was so gross and it smelled awful. So I was planning to eat it, but I did not eat it. <laughs> I was I just not, uh, not appetizing. No. It wasn't, but if you get them earlier. So my friend Donna, who I said earlier, she actually makes a, um, cookies out of the Python eggs <laughs> and I've had them before, but she does it much earlier in the process. So they're not quite as far along. I mean, again, I still don't recommend it, but it could be done. I say it's definitely not like when you go to the store and you get a chicken egg. Like this is a whole <laughs> no. different egg. No, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I have to imagine even like the volume that comes out of that is much larger because a chicken egg is, you know, like half the size of your fist or something. Whereas you said like these are potato size. Right. I know it is. It's crazy. Now, if they were really edible, then, you know, God, it'd be a meal for like three people with one egg, but you know, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll stick with the chicken eggs. I think yeah. I'm good with those. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're cheap. They're accessible. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, why, why deal with that? Awesome. Well, this has been incredible and I appreciate it greatly. I wanted to give you some time to kind of plug, you know, the things you do and, you know, where people can find you if they want to see more. Sure. Absolutely. So pythonhuntress.com is my website and I have a lot of videos and pictures on there. Um, and also, of course, my shop. So you can order some leather products that I've got. And also on Instagram, I'm pythonhuntress underscore Amy. You can find me on Facebook and, and YouTube, the same. So, yeah, I mean, I love my followers. I, I have a lot of crazy adventures. I mean, sometimes these, these hunts are boring. I mean, and I shouldn't say boring, you know, they're, but they're, there's not as as much excitement in, in some of them as there are in others. And on some of the ones that I've got video of, it's, it's pretty exciting. And it's not like the shows. I have to say that, you know, the shows just don't do a good job of portraying the truth. 
and what's really out there because they're all staged. So this stuff, you know, when we have an exciting catch, it's it's for real. And, you know, we're trying to get this thing without it getting away, without it biting us, which I have been bitten many times and without, you know, just, just trying to get it safely. So it can be pretty fun. Yeah. It sounds like it. And if, I mean, a lot of people watch a lot of boring stuff on YouTube. So if you want to see somebody actually like wrestle a giant snake, like that's <laughs> yeah. a pretty good video. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I will tell you, um, do I have time for a quick story? Absolutely. Okay. So, and I, I don't know if I told you this, I think I might've told you this before when we first met, but, and I don't have this one on video of all the times to not have my GoPro with me. I don't have this on video, but I was hunting by myself and I was on 41, which is like a two eight lane highway in Florida. And it was, it was dark. It wasn't super late, but I saw this Python sticking its head out and the tree line was really close to the road. So I didn't want to pull off because I didn't want to scare her back into the woods because I'd never find her. So I'm in my truck and I look and there, there are lights coming from both directions, but they're like really far back. So I thought, okay, I can just jump out of the truck really fast. I can, I'll grab it. It was probably like a nine, 10 foot snake. Just grab the snake really fast, jump back in my truck, pull over, and then I can put it in the snake bag and do all of that. Right. So I jump out, I get to her. She's not a nine or 10 foot. She is a 15 foot snake. And I was like, oh no, because it was going to be a battle. Like it wasn't going to be, hey, I'm just going to jump in, you know, jump out, get her and put her in my truck. So I'm, I grab her and I'm pulling on her and she's hooked on something on a tree in the swamp or something. And I'm like holding her, like pulling and pulling. And so finally I get her loose, but then she's trying to, you know, throw her elbow over my elbow. So I'm using my elbows to like, you know, knock her down. And all of a sudden the semi is coming and I see it. I'm like, oh my gosh, my truck's going to get hit. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this. So the semi comes to a complete stop behind my trunk, thankfully, because another truck was coming that he had to let go by. So I look at this truck driver. I mean, I see him. He's right there. And I said, hey, come help me. Because like, hey, just open this bag for me. Just make it easier. I didn't know the snake was going to be so big. The dude looks at me and drives right around my truck and takes <laughs> off. Who's like, Oh my God, are you serious? So, I mean, I didn't need him. I got her. It was all good. But yeah, of all times not to have my GoPro on because that seriously happened and I could not believe it. Well, and what a moment in the middle of the night on the side of the road, you're like, <laughs> you stop your truck. Like imagine the narrative, you're driving truck. You stop at night in Florida. You look off to the side and there's this small woman wrestling a gigantic snake and she's like, help me. And you're like, Nope. And you just go right around. <laughs> I know. I just like, I, and you know, I guess that goes to show there are so many people that are so afraid of snakes. And I just have to say, you know, I feel like I'm just going to let him have a pass on that because he was probably definitely afraid of snakes and there was no way he was going to get out and help me. But still, it seems kind of crazy. <laughs> I'd have just been yelling like coward. After the truck. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, so that, that was a crazy one we had, you know, I've had, so I got bitten on the ass before. Um, and they, yeah, you said they have a mouthful of teeth, right? They do. They're razor sharp. And when they bite, it's like, it goes into your skin, like a warm knife into butter. Mm. I mean, it's just, it's not like a dog bite or something. It's just like, and it's, you see it 
usually you see when it's, it's getting ready to happen and you're like, oh, this is going to suck. And, and it's lightning fast. And as soon as they let go, it's like you, it doesn't register for a second. And then all of a sudden there's this like sting and it does kind of hurt. I'm not going to recommend it for people, you know, yeah. but um, and then it bleeds and it bleeds and bleeds and bleeds. It is crazy. So I was actually at we caught seven pythons this one day in the winter. We went to an island where they were breeding. It was like this, you know, anomaly. And we took them back to this place just to kind of show the tourists because most likely people are never going to see a python when they come to visit Florida. I mean, they really won't. And so there were, you know, a few of us, we had these pythons and I'm holding this one feisty. It was the smallest one. It was like seven feet and it was just super feisty and just trying to bite everywhere. And I have it by like kind of the end of its tail, which, you know, everyone knows, hold the snake by the head if you don't want to get bitten. But it was like kind of this little show thing that we were doing. So all of a sudden I'm holding mine out. Like my arm is extended all the way out. So it won't bite me. And another Python comes like slithering on the ground right in front of me with this other guy chasing it. So I bend down to pick up this snake in front of me. My arm is still outstretched. Now think about when you bend over with your arm stretched out, your arm automatically goes behind you, right? When you're like Mm. bending over to the ground. So my arm does that. I don't really think about it. Then all of a sudden I get bitten in the ass by my Python. I mean, square in the butt by this Python and somebody actually got it on video. So it's very low quality video, but it's still on video and it is on my, my website, but I could not believe it. Like of all places. And so later on, this girl comes up to me and she didn't see the whole thing happen. She said, um, excuse me, you have blood on your pants. And, you know, as a woman, you never want to hear that. You yeah. never want somebody to say that to you. But never did I think it would be because I just got bitten in the butt by a python. Right. Like, are these, like, are the teeth, you need stitches for these? No, not, no. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, I shouldn't say never, because I'm sure somebody probably has to, had to. But usually when they bite, it's a defensive bite. So they're just, they're biting and letting go because they just want to try to get away from you. So they're not biting to try to, you know, wrap around you and rip you and everything like that. And it's, it's a, it's a pretty clean bite. They have relatively clean mouths because they eat their prey whole, unlike lizards, you know, that kind of chew and there's all kinds of bacteria in their mouths. So I, I always, you know, treat it. I just put like hydrogen peroxide on it or something. And I've never had a problem as many times as I've been bitten. And actually I've, probably still have I was bitten last night I caught three last night and the, the one was a hatchling because the hatchlings just came out and the thing bit me like four times it was kind of cute though <laughs> <laughs> all right sure <laughs> I just imagine you have to like go home from this from the the show you did where you got bitten in the ass and you're like sitting on one side like always leaned until that heals just like Oh, snakes. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, 100%. And it's like, so, oh, there's another one I got. And I've got pictures, too, of this one. It was a 14-footer, 105 pounds. She was huge. There were four of us wrestling her. And somehow, I don't even know how it happened, but she went to strike somebody behind me. And so I instinctively put my hand out to block her. Like, why I did that, just, you know, just did it. So she nailed my my hand, like the palm of my hand. And they have two rows of teeth on their upper jaw. So I literally had two rows of teeth marks in my hand for like a couple weeks. It was, I thought it was cool. I'm like, Hey, look, look at this, look at this. 
Like, you know, Python bite, you know, but um, that bled a lot. And the problem was we were in the middle of catching her and, you know, I had to use my hand. So there was, I got blood on everything. It was so gross, but we didn't have a choice. So, so yeah. 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 I mean, I just imagine like, and if most, most people will put this into like semi perspective, you've gotten stabbed by like a needle. That is the smallest possible device you could get stabbed by. And now like add two rows of teeth to it. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. It was crazy. And the weird thing about that bite was that, I mean, it does, it does hurt. Don't get me wrong, but it bruised. She hit me so hard with such force that it bruised so hard. So like when I was driving, like anytime I had to grip anything, the bruising hurt more than the actual cuts hurt, which was weird. I didn't really expect that. So I was like, well, I guess I can't vacuum for a while. So Dave, you're going to have to do that. And (laughs) household chores, Oh, it hurts. Yeah, you, just, you have the opposite response. Like, look at my hand. Look at it. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Instead of like, hey, how come? I'm like, oh, oh, it hurts so much. Please help. <laughs> help me. <laughs> right. Yep. Anyway, I definitely went off on a tangent there. No, it's all good. This has been awesome. And like I said, I have appreciated immensely. This, this was really cool. And it's something that I think no one's going to know about, maybe outside of Florida somebody i have some listeners in florida that might be like oh yeah i know what that is some people and you know what there's a lot of people even in florida even in south florida that don't really know about it i've gone to do presentations and they're like oh that's so cool that you're a python hunter but like why do you hunt pythons like they think it's like deer hunting or something i'm like oh because they're taking over florida yeah <laughs> and they oh don't God. even know it and they live here you know so you yeah. just never know before we talked the first time a couple weeks ago um, I had no idea, like I've been to Florida several times and I had no idea that there was like a Python problem. Yep. Yep. And I will say a lot, most people, I think I mentioned it before. Most people will not see a Python when they come to Florida because a lot of people like the people that come in the winter for vacation, the pythons are breeding. They're not even really moving around. They're way back in the woods and you're never going to see them in the summer. They are nocturnal. So unless you are out, you know, after dusk and you know until three or four o'clock in the morning you you won't see one either so yeah and it's like you said you don't see one every day and it's you're looking for them right so people that are not looking for them are not just gonna like run into pythons exactly exactly although i will say this that i did on my way home from dinner a couple weeks ago all dressed up nine foot python on the road (laughs) and you're like so i'm like well gotta get it so i went out and i got it and i was like oh my god i was like don't get bitten because you have white jeans on don't fall on your face in these stupid heels you know i'm like baby step running to get this this python so you know my shirt was dry clean only so i'm like don't get musked on because you you know the smell will never come out so yeah it was a whole new set of uh of thoughts going through my head on that one. <laughs> yeah, Dave, hold my purse. I got to get yes. this snake. <laughs> I, give me just a second. I'll be right back. And these people, so I'm carrying it back. You know, we were going six miles an hour, so we had to, you know, pull over pretty quick. So I'm carrying it back to the truck, you know, just, it's a nine-foot python. And these people are slowing down, looking at me like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Like, yeah, no, no worries. I got it. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, just my every day. Yeah, just, just what you do. And And I do know why we wear what we wear, you know, like, clothes that are not nice to get these things because it would be very difficult but so that was kind of an anomaly though you know you 
most people are not going to see that when they are driving home from dinner. Thankfully, I did, but most people won't. Well, you got the eye for it now. Like you're, sure. you're always looking for the, the periscoping or whatever. It is. I am. And oh, so, so this is really funny. So I was at the gym, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago and they got some new machines, some new um, treadmills. And it was the ones that you, you have like the different scenes. So you can like run through the city or the parks or the woods. So I've got it on the woods and I catch myself. I'm literally looking for pythons going side to side the way that I usually do on the screen on a treadmill i'm like oh my god amy there are not any pythons in the program like they're not going to be in there but i can't help it i just that's what i do (laughs) so you know how weird it would be if they if they were just like they did it all by recording somebody on their run and there was a python and then you're like stop the treadmill (laughs) my god you know and like people are like what oh my gosh that'd be so funny (laughs) that'd be funny Well, well. thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Of course. I I appreciate it. Like this is like, it's been so much fun. It's such a weird topic and I've enjoyed it. (laughs) Like it's great. So thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Just Dumb Enough podcast. Uh, Let everybody know I've been bumped off the featured list after being on there for quite a while now. It's a big thanks to so many longtime listeners that have taken care of the show and done everything they can to help us grow and we keep getting new listeners which is amazing and it adds to the audience although some of you are clearly not doing what i ask when i say rate it five stars on itunes spotify or audible if you want to help the show grow also if you have not already please tell someone you know to listen to this show word of mouth gets more people to listen than any other form of promotion I'm always looking for new topics, guest ideas, and questions from the audience. Reach out to me through email, dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com, or send a message on any of the show pages like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or wherever else. You can also find all the new posts going up on those social pages. Before we get out of here, we have July's official top countries. Number one, the United States with the top states Oregon and California, though Texas got very close. Number two, the United Kingdom, making it all the way back up to number two just under the wire. Number three, Australia, led by New South Wales, I think the whole month, so congratulations to them. Number four, Canada, with British Columbia and Ontario actually tying for the top spot, down to the listener. And number five, The most contested spot all month goes to Ireland, narrowly winning over India and I think making its first appearance on the top five. So, round of applause for them. That's all I've got for you for now. I will see you Thursday for the next skill building episode. Bye bye!